You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Good show for you tonight, as I have sketch card artist Tom Amici on the program. Uh, We caught him right after his appearance at the Keystone Comic Con in Philly, and he was able to talk about his experience there as well as his craft, and it was a nice conversation. I hope you really enjoy it. We will get to that in a few minutes. I do want to get some housekeeping out of the way. A couple of podcasts that I have discovered that I think bear some attention, and if you have some room in your podcast feed, I will say they are uh, very good. And uh, I've been kind of enjoying them as I've been kind of like uh, binging through them, almost like a Netflix kind of a thing. Uh, One is the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. And it's very similar to this show in that they talk about uh, collecting cards. But in this case, it is the Marvel Marvel cards instead of Star Wars. Uh, But I do think there's a lot of good aspects about collecting that I think they hit on. And they are talking to sketch card artists as well. So I think it's a nice companion uh, if you kind of like what you're listening to here, uh, I do recommend giving them a uh, check, and it's, uh, they do a really good job over there. And um, as I find out more about it, I will pass it along. Another podcast I am discovering is called Meanwhile at the Podcast. This is a nice pop culture one, and they even made a nice uh, reference to me as they had a sketch card artist on recently. Uh, I'm still listening to some of their episodes as well, and uh, the more information I get, you, I, I'll pass it along. But uh, two very nice podcasts. Sometimes it's nice to kind of try to find new podcasts out there to listen to and to kind of mix things up. Um, you can, of course, find things that you're interested into, but um, it's kind of fun to see. There's a lot of great conversations going on out there, and uh, definitely give them a listen. One thing of note, we have recently got a Facebook page, and thanks to everybody who has kind of clicked on there and interacted a little bit. One thing nice about the Facebook page is that I can use it to create albums of some of the pictures that I take, and so it kind of is a slightly different experience than on Instagram, where it's more of a timeline, but it is a nice place to kind of put some of these collections out there, and I'm kind of enjoying, you know, making these in that way. When you come to the site, uh, there's something a little, you know, there's the there's the feed that you'll get throughout the day, plus there's going to be some of these uh, archived albums, so I'm actually kind of enjoying that. Friend of the show, Ben Abasada, actually reached out to me, and uh, I was very humbled. And he's actually giving the podcast listeners a special coupon code for his Etsy site uh, that's going to give you 20% off of his sketch cards that you can find there if you use the promo code REBELBASECARD. So not only do we have a Facebook page, we actually have a coupon code. I'm actually really thrilled about this. Um, But check it out. Uh, I know he's done some sketch cards for the Skywalker Saga, I believe, and he's done a lot of sets since Rogue One, so hopefully you can find something you like there, sketch card-wise, and use the promo code, use the promo code REBELBASECARD and save a little scratch. Once again, my thanks to Ben for allowing uh, our listeners to get in on some of this. Uh, I'm assuming this is only going to be for a limited time. Um, He can give me more details as far as that's concerned, but you can check him out over at his Etsy page. If you search for KS Geekman, I will put the link into the show notes. Recently, if you've been following the Instagram feed, you'll 
of course, have seen that, you know, I collect different ways, but I got a hobby box of the Skywalker Saga. And I've gotten hobby boxes before, uh, but in this case, the nice thing was is that I was able to assemble a full base card set from this hobby box. And I kind of like the fact that I bought it local. I know there's places online you can go to, you can get it for a little cheaper, but I, I do like kind of supporting my local shop. And there was that that immediacy of not having to wait for something come in, even though now for the most part you're getting you know pretty fast shipping from anywhere. But it was nice to kind of go. I could take it out, uh, take it home. I, I did an Instagram live for it. And so it was kind of fun to kind of have everybody kind of join in as I was kind of cracking open these packs. Um, I got a nice autograph out of it as well as a transparent blueprint. Uh, you can, of course, if you go on the Instagram page, you can see that there. It was even nice. The, the autograph was of Jerome Blake, I believe, and I was able to post it. I tagged him, and it was nice enough that uh, he happened to be on Instagram as well and caught it and made a nice little comment. So it sort of like really gives meaning to that card now that, hey, I've got this for this person um, and a nice little shout out. It was really it was really quite awesome. I enjoyed the experience. But I want to stress that getting hobby boxes are not the only way you can get these cards. Um, also, just recently, I picked up uh, through a fella in the Facebook group. I picked up a box of Galactic Files Series 2. These came out in 2013. Uh, it was the box, it was the hobby box that these came in, but they were loose cards. And the Galactic Files, which you've heard me talk about before, these are pretty large sets and they encompass a lot of characters. But even in 2013, I think if I look at the checklist, there were something like 350 base cards plus the insert sets. And this box was a loose collection of cards uh, there must be a few hundred in here. I haven't had a chance to kind of go through. Um, one thing to note on the newer Galactic Files, they weren't numbered. They were numbered per the entity or the movie that they were talking about, but they weren't individually numbered to kind of show you where they were in the overall set, and they were an extension of 2017. So it's, it was one kind of one ongoing set. Galactic Files 2 starts off at around 350, so there must have been a continuation from the original Galactic Files set, uh, which I've kind of been interested in kind of looking at. So there were a lot of cards here. So in this case, we're talking about buying a brand new hobby box uh, versus, in this case, just getting a box of open cards. But either way, an awesome experience and just one kind of way to, there are more than one ways to kind of do collecting here. And I want to stress that once again, and you can kind of go back to episode 15, our collection episode about finding the things you like to collect. Um, for me, I do like base cards. I do like going back and looking at sets and sometimes even the older sets from when I really started getting back into it. And so it's kind of fun to kind of rediscover these. It's kind of like an archive project of going through and seeing what you have. And sometimes they may not be sets that you are interested in getting at that time, but you go, oh, hey, the opportunity presented itself to get this set. I'm going to check it out. And uh, it's kind of a nice, it's a, it's a joy to kind of go through. Um, also, you know, getting cards in through eBay, uh, getting cards from other collectors directly. There are more than one way to do it. And just because of the sheer number of sets that Tops put out every year, you kind of want to think about how do you want to collect? Do you, some of them you want to collect new? Uh, obviously, when we have things like Journey to the Rise of Skywalker as well as the Rise of Skywalker movie sets, these are ones I am kind of interested in getting at the time, where something like maybe a Chrome Legacy or something that maybe dropped earlier in this year or even last year, I may hold off and either get them through eBay. I might go 
to one of these sites like Blowout or David Adams and maybe get a box um, a little cheaper because it's not newer. Um, in some cases, you could probably even go back to your local shop. Uh, maybe they are at some point discounting it when they want to try to move through some of their inventory because they may not have an unlimited amount of space. So once again, uh, it's exciting to talk about cards. It's exciting to collect, to collect, but you want to kind of have maybe a plan about what you are thinking about collecting and then try to find the best resource in getting that. Maybe it's getting it right now so you can have it. Maybe it's sort of waiting and picking it up later. Um, so just many ways to do it, and I think that's a, a good uh, attack plan for it. Um, I always use a site called Cardboard Connections, and I'll put that link into the show notes. That gives me the, the year... Um, they go pretty far out in the year as far as their new releases. And you can also see if they if they have that release there, then you can see they'll put you like a checklist if they get it. Uh, you can get an idea of what the card looks like. So sometimes you can kind of go in advance and see, is this a sit I'm interested in? Is there a sketch card artist that I'm, I'm chasing that's going to have a card in there? Kind of gives you an idea. And like I said, you really want that plan to kind of find out what you want to do. And I think it makes the hobby... Uh, and your collection, uh, the better for it. So once again, my guest tonight is Tom Amici. Uh, we caught him right after Keystone Comic-Con. Uh, so it, literally just about the time you got in the door. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the interview. I'll come back at the end of the episode with uh, to close things out. Enjoy. But I first wanted to kind of get your take on how Keystone Comic-Con went for you. Talk to me about it. Uh, well, this was actually the first year I attended Keystone. Uh, this is their second year um, doing a convention. I wanted to go last year, and I never got a chance to. Um, so this experience was completely new for me. I actually liked it. I liked the way it was laid out. Um, it was Artist Alley was kind of like right in the middle of the convention floor. So you had to go. People had to go from the dealers, you know, the dealers area, all the vendors. You know, they went straight in through the dealer, uh, the artist tables, and and then went to the back where they had the gaming tables and 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 more some more vendors. So it was laid out really well. Um, it had a nice flow to it, I thought, and it, it seemed to to bring people to the artists, which okay. was nice. Now, how many shows have you done prior to this? It's been a while. The last one I did was Wizard World in Philly. Uh, was uh, Father's Day weekend. Okay. How would this compare as far as size? Um, Wizard World might have been a little bit bigger. Um, I think, though, that as far as artist tables go, Keystone had a lot more artists. Um, there was a lot more of a presence there as far as like creators and stuff like that. Now, does when you have a larger area for artists or, say, in an artist alley, does that make things easier or harder? Um. My having not done like shows in a while, um, it really hasn't impacted me that much. I mean, it's kind of nice, like just seeing, you know, you walk through Artist Alley and you see all the, you know, the other professionals and stuff like that and what they've done and stuff. It, it's nice just seeing the people because I mean, you can they all come to, they hit pretty much every table, so you're never just sitting there by yourself going, uh, I kind of hope somebody shows up. You know, everybody kind of comes along and sees what you have, and then they keep moving and stuff like that. I mean, there are obviously some some artists that a little bit more um, established, and you know, people tend to go to them first and then kind of you know make their way around. Um, I really didn't find that, that intimidating. Um, 
yeah, it was fun either way. And what were some of the reactions that you were getting at your table? Um, everybody seemed to like my work. Um, I did have um, at my table, I had a concept piece that I'd done for Lucasfilm last year for Celebration. And um, that's kind of like the showpiece. So it was, you know, a lot of people would kind of stop and look at that. Um, and then they would see my various cards, my artist proofs and the other artwork that I've done and, and then kind of filter through the rest of that. So, I mean, overall, it was, it was pretty positive. And then do you have, I know I saw on your Instagram feed, there was, there was one person I uh, looked like they were quite familiar with your work. But as far as the people who were start, uh, stopping by, did you see a lot of people who recognized you right away or saw, um, was, that, was that something you were getting at all at this particular con? Not at this one. I did at Wizard World. Um, I did have um, a couple people come up to me and um, who were following me on Instagram and you know they made it a kind of a, a point to stop and actually see me so they could kind of put a, a face to the name. So that was kind of nice. Um, not so much at this one um, with the exception of like I had you know some friends show up and stuff. but it, it was still I mean, it's still kind of getting a following going right. And what were you kind of doing? Were you working on uh, Were you working on some commissions? Um, like there had to been periods of time in before where um, were you what, Were you working on something? How was How was the kind of the time in between? Um, I today I had actually several commissions. Um, I had an uh, somebody wanted uh, Ala Sakura um, from episode uh, episode two, and they wanted one of those done. Another gentleman had brought up a. Uh, a sketchbook and he requested Luke Skywalker. So those are the two commissions I had done today. Otherwise over the course of the weekend, it was pretty much, I was just sitting there just randomly sketching. I did a sketch of, um, uh, Uhura, Nichelle Nichols. Um, I saw that. a friend of mine actually bought, I did one of Michael Dorn as Worf. And then I did one of, uh, Hera from Star Wars rebels. Yeah. That one I really did like, did that end up getting some color or is it black and white only? No, it's still black and white. I didn't really get a chance to actually do any color to it, so I may go back. Same thing with Michael Dorn, like the Wharf. I want to go back and add color to that, so at some point in the future, I may uh, go back and, and, and actually finish them up. Nice. And how do you, uh, did you have anybody in the booth with you, or how do you kind of sustain the, sometimes when you're like, okay, I got to get out of here for a minute? It's, um, I had a friend of mine come along, so, you know, he was kind of like wandering the floor, and then he'd come back, and this way I was able to kind of, um, you know, take bathroom breaks or go get something to eat and stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I, I pretty much like sat there and, you know, kind of just, uh, kind of people watched. What do you think of the scene in your general area as far as the cons you have, or at least are going to try to get out to or have gotten out to? How is the, uh, how is it as far as like a, a year, as far as like getting out there, even if you're not going as, even if you're not going as like an artist in a booth, as far as just attending, what's the scene like? Um, it seems pretty festive. I mean, I, my, my plans are in the future to, you know, start doing more and more shows so I can kind of, again, kind of get out there and meet people, you know, get my work out there a little bit more, kind of show off what I can do. But I mean, overall it seems very positive. I mean, everybody's upbeat. Everybody's pretty courteous. You know, they all are very appreciative of the work that you do. So, um, there's really, I mean, I don't see any downside to it. Other than if you kind of stick to ones generally in the area that probably has to keep 
uh, some of the costs to you fairly low or at least in check? Yeah, um, I have um, I've put in applications, though, for uh, um, Chicago for um, E2C2, I think it is, C2 and then uh, uh, Seattle. So we'll see how they go. Um, my wife has been very supportive about it. So, you know, she's like, if you if you're able to get in and you're able to go, let's just just go and do it, because how many times you actually get the chance to do it. Right. So, you know, in, in that respect, it, it's it's nice that I have that support. And yeah, that has to be really key. And now are, um, are you a full-time artist or do you have to do this as sort of a side? This right now is a side. Um, I do have a, a normal kind of day job that uh, pays the bills. Eventually, um, I would prefer doing my art full-time and uh, kind of relying on that more. I mean, I enjoy it. It's therapeutic. You know, <laughs> kind of keeps me sane. So if I can just sit there and draw all day, I'd be a happy camper. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, how did you get started? Uh, how did you get started? Do you remember when you started drawing? My mom was, uh, she was a commercial artist. So I've always been drawing since I was a little kid. And uh, I did attend the Philadelphia Art Institute um, when I graduated high school. And from there, I mean, I've done some Star Trek fanzine covers for the local Star Trek um, Starfleet chapter group that I was a part of. Um, I did probably six covers for their fanzines. And, um, I mean, I draw every chance I get. I did take some time away to kind of concentrate on family and, and then started coming back to it probably like 2013. And I started kind of working digitally on my phone. And that kind of brought me back into doing artwork um, full time. What were you doing on the phone? Uh, I had Autodesk sketchbook, so it was it was Star Wars drawings. I mean, what else was it be? Um, <laughs> I, I did you know sketches of uh, Mara Jade and and Ben Skywalker from the expanded universe, and uh, was just trying to teach myself how to do digital. Now I have you know Photoshop and and Corel uh, and a couple other programs besides that that I'll work in every now and again. But I still prefer working traditionally. It's 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 easier for me than it is digitally. Right. So what, um, everybody sort of has a different in when it comes to star Wars. What is your in? <laughs> what was the first one you saw? The f <laughs> Well, it, it's kind of funny because I never actually saw star Wars in the theater. I had the toys before I saw the movie. Oh, wow. My dad had gotten from somewhere a Betamax pirated copy of star Wars. So, that was my first, uh, my first viewing of Star Wars. I've seen everything since then, in the theaters multiple times. But I remember as a kid, I mean, I would go in. I didn't even know what the movie was about. I just saw the toys, and it's like I got to have the toys. And <laughs> from there, it just kind of just like snowballed. Oh wow! You said you went to the. Can you talk about your your experience um, at the? Uh, was it the? You said the Philadelphia Art Institute. Um, how do they? How do they craft the curriculum there? Well, at the time, it was back in, you know, 80, 89, 90. There, for me personally, it, there wasn't really much of a curriculum. As long as you turn in your assignments, you were golden. Um, I actually learned more out of school. And I hate saying that, but I actually learned more <laughs> out of school than what I did in. Um, the teachers there, they were, you know, their the instructors were very um, 
they're very disciplined in their respective uh, fields. And to try and do something outside of that, um, it was almost a little, it was a little daunting because, you know, you would kind of hear that, you know, you weren't going to make it in this field if you use this particular medium and stuff like that, which is, it's not true anymore because, I mean, you see all these artists using colored pencils and markers and all this other stuff, and they're very respected in the field. Right. So, you know, I, I, I honestly, I did learn more just kind of when I got out, just messing around, and, and you know, it, it's helped a lot. So when um... – been around a little long enough you know the cards were there but when did the cards first capture your attention if they did as far as something you're starting to see people do you know artists do sketch cards in how does that kind of uh, capture your eye and we can get into how you got into uh, creating them um the first cards i saw were i think uh probably like six years ago and I actually opened up like several packs of cards and I'd gotten some sketch cards and I thought, Oh, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Um, you know, I, at the time I didn't know that was a thing that, you know, you could actually have a job doing that. I didn't know a lot of who a lot of the artists were. Um, I do have a lot of sketch cards still. And, um, that was like my first, you know, kind of, um, in as far as like, you know, seeing, you know, this is something you could possibly do. But at the right. time, I didn't know how to get there uh, up until a couple of years ago. So that let's talk about that now. Up until that point, uh, it seems like you kind of have diversified a bit. What do you think some of the first commercial work you did? Was that more of the, the fanzine or did you do some, your, as far as your career is going, how did that kind of get off the ground? The fanzines were the first, the first ones um, because they were, they were published. They were sold at conventions and stuff like that. So. Um, those were like first published works. I mean, I've sold, um, uh, other works and stuff to, to private collectors and stuff. Um, but the cards have been like the, the big thing since I've been doing them. Um, they've kind of, you know, people see them on Instagram and stuff like that. So I, I get more attention now than I did doing the fanzines. And where did you first break in? Were you able to break in to either tops or upper deck first? Uh, it was upper deck, and honestly, I couldn't even tell you where they sell me. Um, <laughs> I got a, I, I got a random email from um, art, one of the art directors from Upper Deck, inviting me to the Marvel premiere 2017, and I, I thought it was a scam at first. <laughs> I had to look up his name and and make sure that he was actually legit, and I found out he was legit, and I was like, okay, I, I, I was afraid to kind of ask him where he saw my work because I didn't want to like you know maybe think that you know push it you know kind of push myself out so i just accepted it um as far as tops goes i got to know one of the, another artist and he kind of um led me in the direction to one of their art directors and i pursued that and you know within uh four days i actually got an invite for my first set for for tops and what was that set uh it was a um star wars a new hope black and white set oh really yeah and that was like, I was, you know, I was pretty much like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do all this. You know, it was my first set. I did 50 cards, 56 if you count the artist proofs. And, uh, you know, trying to get them done in a deadline and stuff like that. I, I didn't have the markers that I have now. I was still kind of rebuilding. So I had to use all color pencil. And that was 
that was that was quite interesting using all color pencil. I like the way they came out for the most part, but uh, you know, it, it was uh, that's how I got into tops anyway. When you kind of got done, I mean, um, I know with in some cases with the the top sketch cards, sometimes there were times where they were doing more of the same card and then they kind of got into where each one was slightly unique. Um, but the, the, the fact of doing the, doing, you know, a, basically a two and a half by three and a half card that had to really kind of be something new for you, or at least in order to do a, a massive number of those that had to be kind of a, 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 like a new way of doing things for you. It was, but it's tops, you know, they, they, they would like you to do, you know, more of portraits, which is um, one of my strengths. So the the smaller scale really doesn't hinder me too much. I still, it, it's still easy for me. So it really doesn't bother me too much. With upper deck, I mean, that was my, that was basically like having anxiety attacks when I was doing those cards because I had no idea what I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to do them. And then I kind of settled in with, after I got through the black and white set with tops, you know, now I've kind of, I've got a, a rhythm going where I can pretty much like knock them out like uh, pretty easily. Yeah. It's, it's comparing the, the time frame of getting them to getting them in and back out. That had to have been um, probably a little unnerving the first time, but you know, now you can, if, if you have been getting invites to different sets now, it seems like the workflow probably is a, like you have an idea of, okay, I can set aside this amount of time. It's going to take me this. Um, I can imagine that first set was probably a little crazy to try to get through when you're looking at a stack of of blank cards. Oh, absolutely. I, I was looking at them and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this in the time frame. I mean, I had five weeks, which is uh, your, about your average for cards. I'm sitting there and going, I don't know how I'm actually going to get through this. And then I've got to do work besides that. And, you know, I've got the family. And now it, it's, it is a little bit easier. I mean, the deadlines don't get any easier. Um <laughs> Some of the deadlines have been two weeks to get the cards done. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, actually, I, I, I had to turn down a set um, just because of that, because the deadline was, you know, it, I was already working on a set, and uh, to have another one due in two weeks, it wasn't going to be possible. So um, those are the harder ones. Has the uh, When you started doing the cards for both Upper Deck and Tops, how did that change your studio setup, or did it? I, it didn't really. Um, it just made me kind of um, kind of branch out into different media. So from going to a colored pencil to the markers, the markers are obviously a lot easier to use to a certain degree. They don't take as long, which helps as far as time frame goes. But they still, I, I still, I'm still able to get the quality that I want. And then if I have to, I can always switch back to colored pencil to to kind of you know you go to different media and stuff like that to kind of get the the look that you want when you're packaging them back up it's something i'm surprised i haven't thought to ask before but um depending upon the medium um is there some that uh, have a potential to smear or like how do you package the cards back up to send so that they don't get uh damaged or smeared or something of that ilk or is that not a concern the first set, the black and white, the Star Wars, the new black and white set, um, I did actually spray them with fixative because they were color pencil because I did have a concern. I wasn't sure. Top sends them in a box um, with like styrofoam packing, like styrofoam blocks. So it was kind of a concern because I didn't know if 
I had no idea if the, the color pencil was going to actually rub off, uh, what was going to happen to them. So I did spray fix them. Now I don't even worry about it. Um, since it, a lot of it is all marker, I really, it, it, I do them, I finish them, sign them, put them back in the box and then just keep going through the, the, the box itself. So I don't even have a concern about it anymore, really. Excellent. Excellent. And let's talk a little about your home studio. Um, do you have a set place for it? Do you, you know, is there a separate room? How does that, how's that kind of evolved over the years? Uh, I've pretty much taken over maybe a quarter of the dining room table. <laughs> oh man. So and I have my, my art table set up next to it. And then I have my computer and all my supplies and stuff. So, I mean, my wife doesn't like it too much, but, uh, Right now, that's that's where my studio is, and it works for me. So, you know, I, I try and stay out of the way as much as possible. Um, it's kind of hard because it's using my reference for Star Wars. Uh, you know, my books are basically all over the place, and it, you know, everybody's tripping over them. I got my boys running all over the place, and they're tripping over them, knocking them over, and you know. So, I, I've eventually I'll figure out a better system, but what I have now works. And when do you find the the time to do your work? Before or after work? <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a schedule. I have a I have a basically a set. I I try and keep myself on the days when I have to do my my regular job. If I can at least get two cards a day done, and then on my off days hit like five or six cards, then as long as I'm doing that, it pretty much sets me up to where I can actually really get my sets done before the deadlines or at least you know close enough that i don't have to worry about it too much so i try and kind of stick to that regimen when you're talking about working on your your portraits um one things i have kind of noticed in some of the some of the things that you've posted online they are the eye is still kind of get me every time i kind of look at these there's there's just um it, it seems like there's a that that is really uh to me, a forte of yours where it's like the looks of them just look like there's a lot of intensity to them and they kind of draw your draw you in um, as someone that's kind of looking at it. And that's just something where it's just very striking. But I think it seems like it goes back to your love of doing portraits. Uh, was this something that just kind of evolved over time or just something you just really I mean, it, like I said, the, the face is just really intense on these. No, I mean, every time I do something, I mean, the eyes are. I'll put down base colors and stuff like that, but the eyes are where I start first. So I try and get the look of the eyes um, as close to the actual actor or actress uh, as I can. But I concentrate on that. And then from there, once I get those set, then everything else tends to fall into place as far as, you know, the shadings and, and stuff like that. So it's just the way I've always worked. I always concentrate and start on the eyes first. Is there, a, is there a character that you tend to favor more uh, in, in the Star Wars universe to like doing or a character or characters that you tend to favor? Not really. Um, in a lot of my sets, I've, um, I've done, I like doing the characters that nobody likes to do or nobody's <laughs> done before. You know, everybody does the Luke Skywalkers and the Princess Leia's and Han Solo's. And I enjoy kind of finding the background characters that nobody really touches on. Um, it makes them kind of unique. I did do one for the Empire Strikes Back black and white set, uh, which I don't know how well it went over. I did the, it was a scene where Luke was on Dagobah learning how to use the force and levitating the rocks. So the card I did was the levitated rocks. 
Oh, wow. And to me, it was kind of unique. It was something that nobody's ever done before. You know, I don't know if anybody found it or, you know, how it was received. But, <laughs> you know, to me, it was kind of cool. Well, I think also, you know, when you're thinking about, like, the just the vast number of other sketch artists that that are doing cards for a particular set, you know, it has to be something where it's like, I, I think trying to find something that's a little more notable going from set to set, I think that's a... To me, it seems like a wise strategy because how do you kind of set yourself apart? And that's the thing. It's, I don't want to keep doing the same cards. I mean, you know, sometimes when I get kind of like time crunched, you'll see that I'll do like six six clone troopers in a row. And, you know, that's because they're just they're quick, they're easy, and I can get myself caught up. But I, I, I have this set I'm working on currently, and I've gone and done – characters that were maybe only on the screen for like two seconds and it they're they're interesting characters they're fun to do and it's not something that everybody's kind of touched on right yeah i would say like in this recent in this in this most recent um set that that was put out now by the time that this comes out we'll have gone through um we've gone through at least the skywalker saga but um right now we have just you know they just released the chrome legacy but uh, if you look at this one you did for uh, the even peel, which I really like, um, I think that kind of goes on to it where it's it's uh, there, there's a lot going in this photograph, but it, or in this in this sketch, but it's also, you know, it is a character that doesn't get a whole lot of love. Um, in some cases, I know that they had some a little bit in Clone Wars, but or this uh, this other one from Attack of the Clones, um, the one you posted was it the Yarl? Yeah, Yarl, Yarl Poof. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of nice to see some of these, you know, some of these, some of these get in it. And I, I do think that, I do think it sort of like makes you stand out a little bit. Um, how did you feel about the Chrome Legacy uh, work you did in general? I liked what I did. Um, I, in every set, there's always one card, I don't know why, where I just look at it and it looks like it just kind of like, it, it's a mutant. It just didn't work out. <laughs> Uh, I think the Chrome Legacy, there was an there was a Luke Skywalker one, where he he looked like basically Luke Mark Hamill like with Kermit the Frog, <laughs> and you know he, he just really got away from me, and I was like I don't, what am I doing? Am I really an artist? This is what I did. How am I going to turn this in? And so there's always like one or two one or two like I have. Sometimes Mark Hamill, I, it's trying to get his likenesses. It just, I don't know, it just kind of throws me off. Same thing with Harrison Ford. I don't know why, you know, it it, it takes a while to, to kind of get a, a Harrison Ford card that I actually like. And I go, you know what, that looks like Harrison Ford. I'm happy with it. Um, <laughs> overall, for Chrome Legacy, I was, I was pretty pleased with what he did, especially like the, the Jedi Council. Like those like you know, Yaddle and stuff like that. I, I mean, those came out really well for me. How do you sort of work through um, if you're in a crunch? Like you know, at this point, you know, you have the work. The, the work arrives. You start kind of cranking out. But what happens when it just it's just not working that day, or you have a you have something you're just getting stuck? How do you pull yourself through? Um, I just push myself through it. I mean, I don't really have much of a choice. I've I've had moments where I've kind of set that card aside and said, you know what, we're just going to let this this sit here and think about what it's done and we're going to move on to the next one and you know then i'll come back to it but for the most part 
I just kind of push myself through it. I really don't have much of a choice. It's, you know, I, I have a full-time job, so that kind of takes up eight hours, uh, an eight-hour crunch time, like, as you know, spending on stuff. And it, it's very limited time to work on these cards. So I have to make sure that, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm doing these cards and, you know, every second, every minute counts. Right. How often have you seen yourself get either pulled, like, if yourself get tagged by someone on social media, whether it's a Facebook group or it's an Instagram or Twitter, um, how often do you see yourself getting getting your cards pulled? Uh, I think I've had maybe like five cards that um, somebody's like tagged me in. Um, I just had recently one of the uh, collector's cards groups uh, tag me because uh, one of their guys had opened up a box and it was um, from Chrome Legacy. It was one of the Java cards. So, yeah, yeah you know, I, I think I've maybe like five or six cards that I've actually like seen. Um, I see them more on eBay, you know, because everybody kind of tries and flip them and stuff like that. So, I mean, I do search myself on eBay because I just want to see what, what's been found. Right. You know, it's kind of interesting and, and see what they're, you know, you know see what they're kind of going for. Um, not that it doesn't, in, you know, it impacts me at all, but um, it, it's kind of cool to say, you know, hey, you know, you know, you do an eBay search under my name and, well, there I am. There's, you know, like 20-something cards that people have found off of various sets. That has to sort of be something that, you know, you to, to see yourself there, it has to be, you know, on the one hand, you're like elated, and the other, I guess on the other hand, you're like, hey, don't you want my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to a certain degree, but, I mean, that's the nature of the business. I mean, everybody does that, so... Um, it doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't affect me too much. I can't let it, you know, I have my own artist proofs that I can go and sell and, 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 and do whatever I want with. Um, but it's, for me, it's just, it's kind of cool. Just, uh, just seeing which cards have been found. Um, and then there's some of them, which I really wish they would have stayed buried, but <laughs> you know, I notice. I know you have the Instagram account, but as far as some of the other socials, where do you kind of find yourself leaning to more, as far as the time and also the interactions? Where do you, where do you find you make your most hay at? Most of it's been Instagram. Um, I've kind of gotten away from Facebook. Um, uh, Instagram is pretty much where I've concentrated. I really don't have I don't have Twitter or anything else really. So I mean, Instagram is pretty much where I post everything. Um, I kind of see what's going on. If somebody tags me in something, it's, it's pretty cool. And I kind of respond back to it. Facebook, it's mostly just my, my friends and stuff like that, or like other top artists, you know, we're kind of like sharing work and, and, and kind of, um, encouraging each other from that. I think it also has to be, if you are, you know, if you have a regular job and everything else and doing this, and you're talking about the efficiency of time, there is, you know, I think it has to be this interesting pull between, you know, I want to kind of get, keep getting my name out there, but I don't have a ton of time to do it. It's that's, that's part of the problem. Um, you know, I'm trying, I, I'm trying to update my portfolio. I haven't even gotten that done all the way yet with all these cards that keep coming out. I, I would like to kind of promote myself more through social media, but again, yeah, it, it's the time because, uh, I'll go to work and I'll come home and I'm still working, but I'm working on the cards. So I'm trying to get those completed, um, for my deadlines. So, I promote myself as much as I can, you know, it, it kind of, uh, not as much as I'd like, but you know, I'm hoping like this coming year, uh, maybe I can get a little bit better at it. 
What um, you know, it's one of those things where I notice on your Instagram profile you talk about uh, Star Wars Insider Magazine. Um, what have you done for them? Well, Star Wars Insider Magazine is mostly just my submitting <laughs> submitting my artwork to uh, Bantha Tracks. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah, they've uh, they've they've actually published quite a few of my my pieces in the Bantha Tracks section. Um, which was kind of cool for me because then I'm like, you know, showing my wife and look, look, I'm in a magazine. I'm in a magazine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a that was kind of like a, a happy talking point. Yeah, especially I think when you see something that's tangible, like, like I said, like a lot of times, like a sketch card or something where you're going, hey, this is this is a this is a thing. Um, are you able to talk about I know you can't talk about what you're doing for particular sets, but um, what sets of yours are coming up or what sets do you think will we be finding you if you can say well most of the stuff of tops is um you know they they already have their release schedules out for this year mm -hmm. so i am currently i'll have masterworks i did the ninja turtle set and skywalker set the episode nine um, the invites have not gone out yet, so I, I really don't know about that one yet. That one's uh, probably like another month off, I think, probably. And then do you have anything coming up for or Upper Deck? Upper Deck I do. Um, I can't say what that is. Um, upper Deck is, is, you know, I really can't say anything other than I have work coming up for them. Upper Deck, I don't get as much work from Upper Deck as I do with Tops, And I've, you know, I've kind of made some other contacts with another product. So, I mean, we'll see how that changes, but yeah, I can't, unfortunately I can't say what's uh what's upcoming for with upper deck. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's, it is, it is this tight balance between like, you know, they do, they do work X amount ahead, but then all of a sudden, especially like with Chrome legacy, it's something where, you know, all of a sudden when, when sort of the embargo lifts and they end to get released, all of a sudden you see a plethora of cards coming out, uh, which is actually kind of cool because then it's almost like a, a bit of a visual checklist for you. Um, right. Do you get a chance to talk to some of the other sketch artists or are you in groups with them to kind of keep tabs on what's going on or between you amongst yourselves? Um, yeah, I mean, we have a Facebook group. Um, so we kind of like, you know, we kind of uh, encourage each other and we get to see what everybody's done, you know, when the sets come out. Um, I have met, uh, I met Rusty Gilligan uh, at Wizard World. So, you know, we got to chat for a little bit, which was kind of nice. You know, it's the first time I've actually met him. So I got to kind of like pick his brain and, and, you know, he's been in, in the industry for a while. So it was nice talking to him. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, I, I mostly everybody kind of lives either, you know, across the country or overseas. So it's Facebook is really, you know, the only way we kind of get the chance to kind of talk to each other. Right. Right. And what, um, other than the, so you're saying you are working on your, uh, what's coming up for you as far as, um, upcoming cons? Or what, what do you think? You talked a little bit about trying to get to C2E2 uh, perhaps here in Chicago. But between now and then, is this sort of winding down a bit? Or do you have some upcoming cons? I have one more con this year um, that I know of. I mean, I've gotten uh, some invites for a couple others here on the East Coast. Um, there's the Comic-Con for Kids in Pennsylvania. Um, that's in October. Um, October 13th, 14th, and 15th, I believe. So I'll be attending that one. Um, and that might be the only one I, I, I do this year. And next year I do have, like, I'm hitting Wizard World again in Philadelphia um, in June. Um, from there, it's it's 
you know, there's a lot of conventions on the East Coast, um, like the Pennsylvania area and stuff like that in Atlantic City. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens. I'm going to try and hit as many as I can, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Nice. And then if people want to connect with you on the socials, where can they find you? Uh, the best way is Tom Amici Art uh, for Instagram. Um, again, that's more where I spend most of my time. Or I with Facebook, it just look under my name, Tom Amici. Cool. Um, well, I, like I said, I think you have had a pretty busy weekend. Uh, and I think it's uh, nice to let you get some rest and maybe unwind a little bit to enjoy the rest of your night. Um, I do appreciate you for getting on and talking to me a little bit. I think it's it's really nice when people can kind of get the idea more about the person behind the cards. But anything else you want to anything else you want to highlight before we go that we didn't cover? I uh, I don't think so. I Excellent. Think we've got everything. Excellent. Good. I was I was I was hoping, I was like marking down on my list trying to see if we missed anything. Uh, but that's awesome, uh, Tom. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Once again, my thanks to Tom Amici for being on the program tonight. It was a thrill to get a chance to talk with him. If you have any feedback for tonight's show, good, bad, or otherwise, you can, of course, leave it on the Instagram post for this page, or you can DM me. You can also email me at greg at rebelbasecard.com, and you can even go on Facebook now to the Rebel Base Card if you search for it, and you should be able to find the link to this particular episode, and you can leave your comments there as well. If you are a sketch card artist and you would like to be on the program, or if you are a Star Wars collector and want to talk about your stuff, you can, of course, reach out to me at greg at rebelbasecard.com, or you can, of course, find me through Instagram, which is where I usually do a lot of my work. Of course, you can also use the Facebook page as well. Otherwise, there is a lot of good stuff coming up for the rest of the year, so stick around. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.